You're listening to the Product Podcast from Product School, featuring the best product leaders from Silicon Valley and beyond. If you're an aspiring product manager looking for your first PM role or an experienced PM looking to level up your skills and advance your career, visit productschool.com to learn about our certificate courses and how we'll get you there. This episode is brought to you by ThoughtSpot, the modern analytics cloud company building a more fact-driven world with consumer-grade search and AI-driven analytics. With ThoughtSpot everywhere, you can embed a highly interactive analytics experience into your data app and take your user adoption to the next level. Learn more and try ThoughtSpot for free today by visiting thoughtspot.com everywhere. In today's episode, Neil Jantz is here to walk us through his journey as founder of Deliver. Building a product for product managers wasn't easy, but it gave him a unique insight into what it's like to not only work in this industry, but to succeed in it. Keep listening and you might just learn how to succeed yourself. Hi everyone, welcome to another Fireside Chat. I'm delighted to be joined today by Nils, who is the founder and CEO of Deliver. Nils, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, hi, Ellen. Thank you so much. It's uh, great to be uh, to be on. So I'd love to start by learning a little bit more about you. How did you get started in uh, product and the tech industry? Uh, yeah, so before I, I uh, started with uh, the product side of it, I was a management consultant. And I also have a long passion for democracy. Uh, been to the top and the bottom countries of the, the Economist Democracy Index. And one of my real passions. And so I had this idea that as a management consultant, one of the things that you would do is you would come in uh, to a room with some, some, some of the managers and they would have a discussion. And the rule of the consultant would be to say, okay, so this is the question we're trying to figure out. And it seems like these are the different alternatives. And it sounds like we actually agree on this. So that was one side of it. And they would be like, yes, yes. And that would actually be helpful. So I always had this thing about clarity of questions and decisions. And then the absolute opposite was, if you think about the political leader debate, it's like nobody is agreeing on what questions they're, they're trying to answer and they're throwing different arguments and they don't even pick them up and it's all over the place. And so I had this idea that what if we could have a solution that would help structure these questions and the decision making and, and putting everybody on the same page so you could come in and see what are we talking about, what are different people believing in different uh, sides of it. And then that was actually the starting point. And so when I quit my job at McKinsey, I sat down and coded up a small solution for this. I mean, this was eight years ago, the very, very first. Uh, and then I wish somebody could go back to me and like to say, design thinking is great. You should figure all of this out. But I didn't. So I started out with this. And then I figured out when I had the first prototype out that they were completely uninterested in having this type of discussion. And so then I just collapsed. I was living on a friend's sofa then. It was like, I just laid there for like a month or two until I had kind of absorbed this defeat and can kind of get on my feet again. A few pivots later, now we're in a much better situation. I guess that's where it started. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, all of the greatest tech founders started from failure and pulling themselves up by the bootstraps again. So you're not alone in that. Can you tell us a little bit more about Deliver and what your mission is? What's what's the story of your company? 
Yeah, exactly. So and, and so from there we went on, and then we said, okay, we can help be, we can help companies figure out to to make better decisions together. And then we had a couple of cases. We found out that actually the best use cases that we had were product people because product people they create make a lot of decisions and they, they want to have clarity on why they're making the decisions. They want to have really really dig in on the decisions they make. They kind of they have clear alternatives that they evaluate and they bring in different people to give their opinions. And so a good system for this is really valuable. And then many, many iterations later now, our goal is basically to help product teams connect strategy and discovery and deliver all the way through. So we've been many pivots away from that, but now it's really about helping product teams be successful and, and pull all this mess together into something that's really structured and coherent and makes sense and get everybody aligned. Sounds super useful. I know many product managers who would appreciate a little something like that. So I'd love to know what it's like to be the founder of a company. What is that a typical day to day for you or is it complete chaos all the time? No, by now I have a routine. So I'm super happy about that. We talked before the show went on about uh, differences in daily rhythm between Spain, where you're living now and uh, your English origin. I'm even further to that. So I actually have a deal with my girlfriend that I cannot go out of bed before five. So at five, I step out and I go uh, and I go. And then I have like a early part of the day until everybody comes in. I kind of lock myself uh, until maybe eight or nine. And then I sit and figure out if you do do like a, there's this. Uh, yeah, I think it's Julie Morgenstern, one of these productivity thinkers. She has a distinction between staccato and legato type of work where legato is the slow kind of thing that takes time for you to get into. I mean, you're a writer. Sometimes I write for the blog. That's something like you really get to need to immerse yourself before you can, can do that. And then other stuff is like preparing material, reviewing something that somebody has done. You really want to dive into it. So I try to do that in the morning. And then in the day, I have a bunch of interactions, walk and talks. I love those. Our office is next to a park. I love whiteboards. So a lot of whiteboard problem solving. Uh, and then, of course, a lot of external meetings on Zoom like this. Uh, most of the most of the team is in the office, but uh, sometimes there's uh, external meetings. And then like this, it's it's over Zoom. And, of, and then the other side is the staccato. So between all of these, just kind of churn away, answering emails and getting small stuff done. That's the kind of that's the kind of routine. And then on a weekly basis, I think through and put off the top priorities. And then that kind of rolls again. So every week, taking some time to really think about it, what to do. And then you go. That's the idea. And um, one of the things that we we usually talk about when talking with uh, leaders like yourself is, like you mentioned, sometimes you write for the blog. There are these things that we still like to do for ourselves in positions of leadership, even though it's maybe not technically something that would fall on the, the CEO's lap, so to speak. So what kind of things do you like to do for yourself, even though they may not necessarily scale? I think there are two things. One is the one that you exactly now mentioned is writing, because I think writing is also thinking. And I think it's so important for me to have like a grasp of what does the feed look like? Where should we potentially go? And when I try to write about uh, product management, it also helps me think about where, where we should potentially go and where it's most helpful for our customers to get help. And then by me writing, I will be better at kind of understanding that and also doing the research for that. So writing is one, even though it probably would make more sense to hire someone, I do that quite a bit. And then the other one, 
uh, is of course talking to customers. I spend a lot of time talking to customers still, and that uh, I still do both kind of follow up and coaching calls and, and even quite a few demos with completely new customers. Uh, and I think it's always good to kind of keep your ear to the rail. I don't know if that's an expression in English. So you kind of know what's really happening, what are people saying? So it's not only secondhand uh, information. But those two, I think, are the, the main ones. So um, I'm actually super curious because so often we talk to other product managers, but we don't often get to talk to people who have a core customer base of product managers. Yes. So through, through all of your research, I'd love to know, what are some of the things you've learned about product managers that have helped you build this product for them? Let's see. So, so first, like a, a note on the first thing you said, it's crazy because we are always in, we are working in the flow where we are producing a product and all of the insights we make are about people making a product. So it's like inception and like yeah. this meta loop that's happening all the time. And we constantly stop ourselves to ask, wait a minute, is this about this process or about the in general or like where are we now? Uh, so that's been like a, a really interesting and a little bit mind boggling. <laughs> uh, but, but, but yeah, but, but one, one thing I think is really interesting is um, when you when you do uh, when you ask product managers what they spend a lot of their time on, refinement comes up as a really big one, like working out the details of actually how to do it and uh, capturing that in documents and all, and, and all that stuff, and, and making sure that it's clear to the developers what to do. All that that nitty gritty, spending a lot of time on. And when you ask product managers what they like about their job, that's not at the top of anybody's list. So there's like a weird, weird discrepancy, like everybody likes to do strategy, everybody likes to do discovery, but everybody's being pulled into spending a lot, a lot of time in the nitty gritty of kind of the handover of the from refinement to development. So that, that's one thing that kind of came out. But also another cool thing that came out is that nobody wants to dive into this by themselves. So it's something like there's, there's this hurdle or when you talk to people, they go like refinement, they can almost twist a little bit in their chair. And like, so, so for us, that's been a, that's been a huge kind of a interesting thing to, to, to handle and come around. But yeah, that, that's one thing we, we learned. Uh, I mean, I could go on, what level of, uh, of answer do you want? <laughs> <laughs> that was great. That was, that was pretty insightful uh, by itself. One, one thing I'd, I'd also love to know, so many different leaders of companies have their origins in product management because product management comes with a lot of leadership skills. You, would you say there's a lot of overlap between the skills needed to be a CEO and the skills used every day by product managers? Yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, uh, you need to know the intimate knowledge of the customer. You need to have a perspective on marketing. You need to work with storytelling around how it's going to all fit together. There's a lot of collaboration skills. You need to think about strategy. I think all of those are, are basically overlapping. I think a lot of founders, if I look at uh, my founder friends, a lot of them have much less kind of design and tech depth it's, it's something that seems to be much more relevant for product managers and for founders. But then on the founder side, there's the investor side and talking about the investors. And I guess a little bit more on the business model thinking that like you have to think even more, even broader than the product manager already thinks quite holistically. And then product managers, they are kind of, they are often ones who lead, but they don't need to manage people. So I guess that's a big difference as well, that as a 
product manager, you, you, you will lead people, but as a founder, you also need to actually be the, the direct manager of a lot of people and handle, handle that. But yeah, for sure, there's a lot of overlap. So, so there's no, there's, it's, it's not a mystery that so many CEOs are ex-product people. <laughs> yeah, it definitely. You can, you can see like the, the line that goes from product manager to C-suite like pretty clearly when it comes to the skill set. Yes. Uh, now, if I'm not mistaken, you're also the author of a book. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Epic Alignment. That's the title, isn't it? Okay, yes, good. Yes. Well, I didn't have a chance to double check. I was like, I hope it's epic alignment. Um, what led you to write a book? Uh, well, <laughs> there's this saying. Uh, I, I tried to look up who said it, but uh, but I actually say I, I don't know. I think it's a Spanish or Latin American saying that is before you die, you should write the book, plant a tree and raise a child. And so I guess this is one of the one of the three boxes to tick. But may, maybe on a more serious note, this episode is brought to you by ThoughtSpot, the modern analytics cloud company building a more fact-driven world with consumer-grade search and AI-driven analytics. Build stickier product experiences by embedding ThoughtSpot Everywhere's interactive analytics interface directly into your data app or product. No more delayed release cycles or incremental UX improvements. ThoughtSpot Everywhere's developer-friendly platform replaces static dashboards with an interactive data experience in minutes allowing users to intuitively dig into their data and trigger actions in their favorite business apps. Learn more and try ThoughtSpot for free today by visiting thoughtspot.com everywhere. When we did our work to develop Deliver, we interviewed ridiculous amounts of product managers and really dug into this. We had over 300 interviews with people where we try to figure out how are you working what's the setup like what are your problems and all that and then uh, at some point i said like this doesn't make sense i need to start sharing or articulating this so i started writing a blog but quite quickly it was clear that this is not going to fit into a blog i wrote a couple of articles and it just ballooned into this whole book project Fantastic. And one of the things that we're always encouraging people in our community to do is to have something for themselves. So you can have your day job, but if there's something that you can work on on the side that just belongs to you, you should absolutely do it. But as as the founder and CEO of a company, how did you make time to write a book along with all of the other things that you have to do? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't have a good answer for you. I guess I just made time, just carving out. But it, it, was, it wasn't that I just wrote it in a stretch. I wrote the book over one year. Mm -hmm. So we're just like car making sure to carve out a little bit of time all the time to just move, move it along all the way. Yeah, I, I don't have a good answer for this. I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> it was all such a blur that it yeah, just, yeah, yeah, just kind of like that. <laughs> you know, there was a book in front of you. You know, as uh, as a writer, I relate to that entirely. People say to me, how did you manage to write all these words? I'm like, I don't know. It just uh, it happened. I, suddenly it was dark outside and the, the blog was there. So totally get that. Um, and we we mentioned we talked about this a little bit um, before we went online. Um, but, but for you, what are some of the marks of great leadership? Uh, yeah, 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 exactly. No, so when when I uh, when I thought about that, I came up with with three actually. So the first one is uh, vision. It's kind of an obvious one, but but it's also this thing about being. A weird person that you sit sit alone and you think about things, spending time to come up with a perspective that is that is uh, maybe a little bit contrarian, and you're you're a little bit stubborn, and you kind of have this this idea for where things should head. I think that that's that is I think that's a hallmark actually. The the next one is I think 
integrity is so important. I, I don't I don't remember exactly how old I was. I think it was like uh, maybe I was like 18 or 19 when I just figured out this whole lying thing. It's so complicated. I just stop, and then I just stopped, and now I just never lie. But it's really problematic sometimes because people know it. And so they ask me stuff. And then sometimes I just say no comment. But uh, then they, they're busted, so to speak. But, uh, but I think the, the, the benefits out, outweigh the drawbacks. And I think it's really valuable uh, as a leader if you can be somebody that people know this is, this is going to be true now. And then the last thing I think is just communication. Working on kind of both expressing and listening and hearing and being able to tell the thought model of other people all the time. So, you know, what are they thinking now and what does that mean? And then to, to, to really bridge the gap between the, the brains so you're able to kind of get all the insights from your team and also kind of get your story across. I think maybe something like that. Um, and one of the things we're talking about in the product community, well, the product school community this month is tools, the, the tools and the products that we use to get our jobs done. What are some of your favorite tools that you're using at the moment? Of course, it would be, uh, it would be kind of an error in my job not to say deliver. Uh, it's great. But then my favorite tool is, I already mentioned it before, the whiteboard. I love the whiteboard. I think it's such a good tool. I think get, getting people in the same room and being able to kind of work when you're in the middle of problem solving together to just use that as a surface and figure stuff out. And I think any digital tool is going to be, be less good. So try to get everybody in the same room. But if that's not possible or when that's not possible, I think Miro does a really good job of trying to be almost as good as a real whiteboard. So yeah, I, I love Miro actually. And what are some of the new skills that you've learned as you've moved into a position of authority? I think actually storytelling is one thing that is underappreciated. And it's like how, how important it is to constantly work on the story, both for the, for the investors and for the whole team and for the customers. Like, what are we doing? What is it all about? And being almost being like a, a person that goes and tells a story on repeat and you get the story going and then everybody knows what is the story and be, being some kind of a storyteller. That is in no way as relevant when you're an individual contributor. Then you're just a crazy person talking to yourself. But as you, as you, as you come into a, a role of leadership, just being able to be like a weaver of the narrative, I think, is, is so important. And I, I hope that I have improved that over, over the years. Well, I mean, writing a book, you have to be a pretty good storyteller. So I'm sure that you flex that muscle and hone that skill. Another one of the things I wanted to ask you, because I imagine there's plenty of people who are going to be watching this or listening to it when it comes out as a podcast. And they're thinking, oh, Deliver, that sounds really good. I'm going to go and download that and I'm going to go see what it's all about. What advice would you give them for getting the most out of your product? I think, I think to get the most out of uh, Deliver, I think there's one uh, starting point, and that is, I think, I think everybody already works with epics. I think, uh, I think a mistake that many people do is they jump, jump kind of directly from the roadmap and then into tickets or like in Jira. I think taking the, the, the time to stop and think about the epic level and go, what's the problem? What are we trying to solve? Maybe get a template with the most important questions and then pile a lot of information in there while keeping some kind of structure. Deliver is great for this because it's an outliner. So you can add a lot of information and collapse it down. Uh, and then as you work with this document, 
keep the user story mindset. Like user stories are great because you can get everybody on the same page. So kind of working like that and then making sure that this document can live kind of from the inception of uh, now we, we know this is a solution we're probably going to do something with and start adding stuff there all the way until you put it in the issue tracker and really get going. Those are a couple, a couple of habits that allow you to, well, we talked earlier about this refinement step, that it's something that people spend time on but don't really like, but to make it a lot less painless and connected with the rest of the process and uh, maybe even enjoyable. I don't know. <laughs> enjoyable. That's that's the that's the that's the goal, isn't it? An enjoyable yes. experience. Uh, a so since, yeah, a breeze. Uh, so since you're a subject matter expert, it would be great to get into the specifics. Um, so I'd love to fire a couple of questions at you. When oh. does it make sense uh, for product managers to work with feature documents? Yeah. So ideally, you shouldn't, right? You should avoid. If, if you have everybody that needs to be involved in the same room all the time, you can just put the whiteboard on the wall and you have post-it notes and you write and you draw and you put it up on the wall and then you don't need a document. But as soon as there's going to be some movement and people step in and somebody who wasn't there all the time, now they come in and they need to uh, hear what, what was this thinking and they, they want to maybe get it at a glance, then it's really valuable to, to write a, a document like that. So I think as soon as you won't have pretty much everybody through for the whole journey. I think it's uh, irrelevant to write the document. Mm -hmm. And what can product managers do to avoid becoming just a feature factory? Yeah, that's. That, I think it's one of the biggest traps. I think the the things the the thing that they must do is to be able to elevate themselves from all the chaos and the messiness that's going on when they're detailing the features and kind of begin with understanding and aligning about kind of the business goals with their managers and the higher ups. And then also really taking the time to do discovery and start to talk with customers and get that, that uh, flow going. Because if they do that, then they will be able to say, hey, wait a minute, we agreed that this was the goal. And I've talked to the customers and it's clear that by doing this, it's not we're not going to get there. So how about we do this instead? And then as, you, as soon as you start to get that kind of uh, authority or the kind of maybe not the but like thought leadership in, so you can have that discussion, then you can avoid and get out of being this feature factory. Because unless you have that kind of rationale and that that weight in your thinking, they're still going to just push. What about this feature? What about that feature? So it's all about kind of getting on top of the the company, kind of the business goals and also understanding the users and kind of bridging the gap. Mm -hmm. And speaking of staying on top of everything, how can product people avoid getting lost in all of the micro decisions that need to be made to make a, pro make a product happen? How do they yeah. sort of stay afloat of all the teeny tiny little details? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I think when it comes to all those tiny details and not getting bogged down and, and making it much more clear, I think is one way. And this comes back to the first discussion we had about, about decision-making and wh why we were even pulled into product very early on uh, is this thing about asking explicit questions. I think that's, that's the core. Uh, it's something that I've seen a lot of product managers already do. So I think it's very, very, very heartening to see that there's like a question, there's a section saying questions. Like this is what we need to figure out by just asking the questions and then marking new offers, done, done, done. This is still an open question. Keeping track of that, uh, I, I think is the best way to do it. 
Super helpful advice there. So um, I'm conscious that we're running out of time, but we do have time for just a couple more questions. Okay, go. Um, what advice would you go back in time and give yourself at the start of your career? It's like a, it's a design thinking. I mean, if I would have known all the, the great discovery techniques that are available and how to kind of validate and think about the, the solution and user testing and the value of design uh, very, very early on, I would have, uh, I would have saved uh, maybe two years, maybe more. I don't know. So, yeah, so yeah, design thinking. I'm, I have an engineering background. And so, so it wasn't the first uh, go-to for me, but I, but I wish it would have been. And what's something you're really excited for in the future for Deliver? Yeah. So so what I'm super excited about is that we had the feature documents that was the, the core of it. And now after a period of having intense discussions with a lot of customers and doing a lot of development, we're coming out to the place where we're kind of, we're, we're, we're kind of extending and helping the customers with the whole journey. So now we have like uh, templates throughout the process. We have boards and process help so we can we can kind of help them go all the way from strategy discovery to delivery before it was more much more focused and we know that connecting all of this is so valuable for product managers and the feedback we have been getting is has been phenomenal so just just for me right now i'm just going through with this is just so exciting Mm -hmm. And uh, my last question, what's something you're really excited for in the future of the tech industry? Ooh, juicy one. question. No, one thing I'm super excited about is there's 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 so many collaboration tools that are that are attacking different sides. And I mean, we're seeing this because all our customers are are SaaS companies, SaaS companies, uh, or pretty much most of them. Uh, and and so we see like the this this expression of software eats the world. So all the different parts of the of the economy is becoming kind of SaaSified. Uh, and what, what I would like is when this collaboration uh, that's inherent and in all the SaaS tools, uh, when that bubbles up to democracy, I think it's going to be amazing because then we're going to see uh, like a, hopefully a set of tools that will allow whole countries and the populations to really come in and have their they kind of have their voice heard and not only heard but also kind of absorbed into policy hopefully and then we'll have like a much more vibrant democracy and it's going to be great that that's that's really cool that's what i hope for that is such a such an optimistic and uh, vision of the future. I really hope it comes true. That sounds that sounds that sounds amazing. Uh, so unfortunately, that's all the time we have today. But Nils, thank you so much for joining me. It's been a pleasure chatting with you. Thank you so much, Alan. Have a great evening, and I'm sure we'll be in contact in the future as well. Absolutely, and thank you everyone for watching. Hope you enjoyed that fireside chat, and we will see you in the next one. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Product Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean the world to us if you would rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Taking the time to write just a few sentences about what you love most about the show will help us improve it and reach even more product people around the world. And when you're done, why not reward yourself with some free product management content and resources over at productschool.com. Until next time, stay product-led.